Kane is there, and so is Wanyama! A home debut goal. That's a good one. Okay. He's on the box. We have a Goal! Musa Bologna has made it 2-0 to the Scorpions. It's an empty stadium, but the roofs of the Independence Stadium are coming down. I can feel. I use ball again. It's really, really, it's absolutely brilliant. And Kunis takes advantage. St. George. Now Heidemann. Cuts it in. Adriana Leon. What a hit! What a great goal! Canada take the lead. And it's Adriana Leon with a rocket into the top corner. Larin gathering it in. Does Canada look to find some early momentum? Well, Davies arriving! So a Kenyan, a Gambian, and a Canadian Ghanaian walk into a... No, this isn't a joke, guys. This is literally the intro. Um, <laughs> yo, so back and joyous, man. We talk a lot of football. We got our takes. Uh, we support different clubs everywhere. And honestly, it's all about African and Canadian football overall. So enjoy the conversation. We'll bring on guests. We'll have different conversations. But it's really just about where the sport is and where it could go. So sit back and enjoy this week's episode. The button says record, so with us today is someone I don't know how long I'll be able to talk to her until I have to talk to her agent, because I'm seeing her on YouTube now. So she's done the pod circuit, <laughs> oh, yeah. now she's on YouTube. So guys, get her in now before you have to talk to her publicist, her agents, um, all of her PR team before you get her on. AC from W Soccer. Welcome back to the pod slash YouTube slash wherever you find this later on. How are you doing on this Easter week? Yeah, thanks for having me. That's a real hot tip for the fans out there. Um, yeah, I'm doing well. Kind of winding down the week. It's been stressful a little bit, but I'm excited to talk about this for sure. No, definitely. There's a lot to talk about. I think this year for Canada soccer, specifically on the women's soccer, it's been a roller coaster of emotions, um, emojis, um, not to mention just thoughts, committees. I I thought this year was just a World Cup year. Um, turns out it was actually a year of uh, st- potential strikes. Will they or won't they play? When I asked you to do this, I remember when you responded and said, if they even play. And I had to realize, yes, this is true. This is this is a real possibility. So I am mentally prepared for talking about a team that may play. But we've seen videos, so we're assuming they're going to play. But if I see any of those players put on any emojis in the next two days, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm just going to just say pain. That will be my Twitter. I'll just say pain for like three days. But there's a lot to cover. And I think, I guess we'll start from the beginning of the year where we were going to talk a little bit. She leaves cup. 
but then we have the work stoppage and to kind of lump it all together, kind of taking the heritage committee hearings. Uh, we saw Quinn, we saw Sinclair, Becky, Sophie Schmidt, all at the committee. Then we saw board members of the CSA as a fan, a supporter, a follower of the national teams and, you know, supporter of soccer in country. How do we feel? And I'll ask you that. Like, how do you feel post hearings, post work stoppages? What's what's your level of confidence right now moving forward in this year, knowing that we have big things for the teams, but then also knowing that we have that still looming in the background? Yeah, it's been a crazy couple of months, that's for sure. I've never watched that many Heritage Committee meetings, and I don't plan to ever again. That's a kind of a crazy political show mm-hmm. that all of Canadian soccer fans got uh, some prime viewing opportunities. But yeah, it's been crazy in terms of how I feel. I guess I'm trying to stay optimistic. I think the fact that they did some start some kind of action and are being more vocal about it now, I just think that that is a step that had to happen and that maybe was a step that we've been delaying a little bit. So for me, it, there is hope in the fact that it's happening now. I do wish it had not happened in the World Cup year because, as you said, the stakes are really high. We wish we could have just been focusing on that. And I think all of this will impact our performance in the World Cup. It, it definitely will. It, it felt almost akin to what happened with the men last year where they just qualified and then they have their work stoppages. So at this point, I think every time I see a team about to play in a World Cup or about to qualify, I'm just holding on to a desk and saying, please, please tell me that something has been well done here. I'm looking at the women's U20s at this point, and I've been holding on to a desk and saying, please, just just get get to wherever they're playing, and we will hopefully be able to see them there. But it is true, and, and I think, just to comment on it, I remember I was talking with... Um, a few friends about this and just it almost felt like from a political standpoint they weren't as prepared as they could you saw some who were asking some really interesting questions to try to get some answers for that but it almost felt like the committee was looking at it more from a this is a hockey canada situation let's see if we if there are things there which maybe was the wrong approach with all the eyes and rightfully and deservedly so on safe sport in canada I know that was more of, for some of them, what they wanted to try to understand and figure out. But the issues with Canada soccer, though safe sport is one of them, are a lot more systematic and systemic in that sense, in terms of how we have to deal with them. And, you know, not that it was a missed opportunity. There was definitely some light that was shed and hopefully more light to be shed on the inner workings. Maybe some changes come. But... It felt like, again, like you, I feel a bit more optimistic with the national teams now. Again, still no agreement that has been signed. So I am a little bit, that's always lurking in the background. But I'm hopeful that positive changes in the right direction can be made. It's not going to happen in one day. We know this, but at least strides in that direction can be made. And oh. <laughs> rambling about heritage yeah i'll make one more comment go ahead yeah make one more comment on the heritage committee so i feel like obviously the politicians seemed very poorly informed they did get a little bit better Mm -hmm. you know across the hearings they got a lot more aggressive across the hearings 
I think it's pretty unprecedented that they were able to get the, you know, the president of CONCACAF, Victor yeah. Montegliani, and Nick Bontis on the stand. Like, those are two pretty influential figures. And so that's actually really interesting on a FIFA scale. Mm-hmm. They hate that. FIFA hates that. But I think we actually did, you know, apart from all the stupid questions, which there were, but to be fair, the Canadian soccer system is very complex. So it is kind of hard to grasp what's going on. Yeah. And so I think from my biggest takeaways were, well, Nick Bontis' disrespectful moment. He's just sullied his entire career for Canadians for, forever. Um, that the CSB deal is being renegotiated. I think mm-hmm. this pressure is what was needed. And we don't know what was going on behind closed doors. So maybe they were already, you know, actively renegotiating. But I mm-hmm. think this puts some real pressure on them to renegotiate. And then the last thing I would say is um, just kind of some of those details that the women or the the women's team players shared, kind of not even at the heritage meeting, but in the lead up with just some of the cuts. And Earl Cochran's response to it was, we didn't think that it would affect them that much. I thought that was really telling because you don't, you wouldn't do that to someone you respect. You wouldn't just yeah. assume that they wouldn't even notice. Mm-hmm. And you also wouldn't assume that they don't notice exactly how much went into the men's program. Like we just overspent so hard on the men last year that yeah. this is where they are now. And they're like, yeah. sorry, we're cutting your budget because we overspent on the men's World Cup. That was something that I found interesting when you said that they didn't think they would notice, which to me, like when when I hear someone says, I didn't think it'd be that big of a deal. And you're just like, you turned off my power. What did you think was going to happen? We'd be able to cook? Yeah. Like, so like, th- there's almost that. And like, I've seen, I think at the beginning, I was very active on Twitter. Then at the end, I was like, you know what? Let me step back and just listen and watch. And just, it's very interesting, just yeah. the back and forth from, from both sides. But just the thought that no one would notice almost feels like you guys have been able to squeeze, you know, pennies out of this nickel before so you know you guys should be able to do it again mm-hmm. i guess and you're just like no no that's that's not how you that's not how you do it and i think like if i'm looking at the csa and to an extent the csb i just i just feel like a lot of times there's a lot of missed opportunities right whether that is just for financing whether that's just marketability whether that's just for raising funds, I see things that are just sitting there and it's like, well, well, you guys just dropped the ball on it. And it's, it's really, mm-hmm. it's really sad. And then it's like, well, we don't have funny. It's like, well, you're turning this into a, we don't, we need more. You turn into the chicken or the egg conversation, which, you know, what most women's sports on television conversation turns into. It's like, well, we don't know if we'll have enough viewers. No, no. You put it on TV, there are viewers. They're just looking for it, right? And I, I think back to the Korea game right before CONCACAF W Championships that was in BMO. Like, I went to that game, and, like, yes, the meeting greets were good. Matheson was there. Um, a bunch of other things were there. But I'm thinking, okay, but I wanted to buy a kit that day. There was, like, barely anything mm-hmm. there. Like, it was, it was Pride Weekend mm-hmm. then. Like, how many people would have loved to pick up a Pride kit just for the sake of that, but like, how often were those ever there? Right. I even jokingly thought before, like, even like something like the black kits, 
Right? The woman wore the black kits in 2019. And we didn't see them again mm-hmm. for two years. And then it was like, oh, it's, this, it's this big thing. It's like, no, you guys baited them against Norway. Like, the game's on YouTube. It's, it's there. And you didn't think maybe just you could have sold these a little bit early. So, like, I see things like that. And before this turns into a conversation of, are ticket prices too high for national team games? I don't know. I see the point. They made more money, whatever. But I just look at it, and it just says, there's a lot of marketability. There's a lot of just finances where they could be making money and could be taking advantage of it. And they just drop the ball. So in that encouragement, in that renegotiation, I'm excited. I'm hopeful. But at the same time, <laughs> I always make food analogies. Just because you give someone a a five-star kitchen doesn't mean that they become a five-star chef. They're still the same level of chef that they were mm-hmm. before they entered it. They might get marginally better because they have better equipment. But at the end of the day, like if you can only make grilled cheese... All the all of, all the herbs and spices in the pantry aren't going to help you. You only know a pan, butter, and grilled cheese. So those are things that you have to look at overall yeah. just to build it out. But I don't. It's yeah, just I agree. Yeah, you have to ask yourself like, are the right are the right chefs in the kitchen? You know, per your analogy. Mm-hmm. And so Nick Bontis is out. Um, Charmaine is in. They still don't like Charmaine that much because Charmaine's been around. Um, I thought one board member that was actually relatively good was Stephanie Geoffice, I think. I yes. thought she was okay. She was the only one that actually admitted any wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like, okay, we weren't good enough. Like, this is what we're doing. Um, but in terms of this whole past two months and even last year with the men's strike, it just is very obvious that the governance needs to improve and the, the operations mm-hmm. need to improve. Yeah. And that the and the only real change we've seen it with the women, but then it also comes down to the the board members, but then the the constituents, right? All the uh associations from every province. That's what really that was the straw that broke the camel's back for Bontis eventually leaving. And unless those groups start to get more vocal in their displeasure. I mean, you're looking at status quo essentially with a lot of the things that are happening on the the committees, the planning, and then not much changes. So you can move us move around the chairs on the Titanic, but I mean, iceberg's still ahead and the water is cold. So it's <laughs> it's it's unfortunate, but hey, we weren't going to talk about Heritage Committee for an hour, so guys, don't worry, we'll move we'll move on to that. It's tough to kind of transition that off to She Believes because you had that looming in the background. And, you know, you have a games versus the U.S., Brazil, Japan. As much as is possible, you're looking at that. I know you did um, some, some good recaps with the She Scores Bangers, which, by the way, guys, you should watch. It was very good. I, I enjoyed it. Um but like, what are some of the what are the some of the things that you could have gleaned? I think from those three games, um, looking back at the She Believes Cup. Yeah, I find that one really hard to evaluate, even looking back like a month or two later, mm-hmm. because it was just such an extraordinary time and scenario for the team to be in. I think in terms of the performances, Kalen Sheridan was my standout. Mm. Um, but I think realistically, what shaped that 
that window was just the fatigue and that fight that they were going through. And so on field, I think it was actually pretty hard to, to evaluate much there, which is even harder considering now, you know, Bev only has this last window, one game left before she has to nominate her roster. No, that's true. That's true. I think for me, again, taking all that and it's hard to, you know, it's hard to say, okay, let me try to evaluate this team. And then you look at, okay, they have a back pass. I think that entire tournament back passes to the keeper were just, my heart was in my chest because I didn't know what to do. They felt dangerous all the time. But it's it's hard to evaluate that. You're thinking, okay, is are they tired because they're being run all over the pitch? Are they just emotionally fatigued? What have you? So like you said, Sheridan standing on her head, that was good. Another interesting name that I saw, and now she's going to come into more of a focus just because of the numbers, is Chloe Lacasse continues to show that she is a player that can be relied upon. And uh, Chloe, come on down. You're about to be relied upon, unfortunately, uh, mm-hmm. just due to uh, injuries and whatnot. But Lacasse, I think, continue to grow. And it's good to see that Bev is continuing to give her more opportunities to play. Um, I do have my criticisms of Bev, uh, whether it's roster construction and things like that. But I love that she's giving players like Lacasse the opportunity to play because she definitely does bring something, especially that pace on the wings uh, as a forward when you're playing other teams. And you definitely see it and notice her on the pitch. So for me, I mean, Sheridan, I don't need to say anything. I was sad when D'Angelo had to leave uh, the game because, again. Uh, oh my God, so stressful. Stressful? The city of Welland held their breath. Let me tell you, we weren't ready for her yeah. to be injured. The Welland legend. The, let me let me tell you, okay, all well and good, all fun things. At some point, I'm going to get in contact with her people and be like, hey, Welland, Welland Connection podcast sometime? You went to the same okay. high school as people I know, so you want to? No. At one point, we will, but not now. But I think seeing her, because Bev's always said she wants to get her back up some run, um, at least so get them against some good competition. Unfortunately, she wasn't able to play, but for me, seeing D'Angelo play for as little as she did, I was encouraged. Seeing Lacasse in their three games, that was something I loved. And then Sheridan was Sheridan. Um, no real... I don't think you have to question Kayleen. And I actually, for the record, is it Kayleen yeah. or is it Kylie? I don't know why I'm asking this now. Kaylin. Kaylin. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I was, we were saying the three different, I was like, Kayleen, it's Kaylin. So Kaylin, sorry. I apologize for calling your, your name differently all the time. Please don't hurt me. Um, so Kaylin was consistent. I don't think you have to question her ability. I don't know why she wasn't nominated for best goalkeeper at all, but that's a, that's a whole conversation. I know. But I think those three things were things I was encouraged by. Happy to see. But you you move past that, right? You start to prepare. Then you have the unfortunate injury to Janine Becky, which it hurt. That hurts because Janine oh, Becky. So much. Becky is the, where hasn't she played? Right, especially coming into a World Cup year where you have so many limited roster spots, having her gives you that flexibility that you can, you know, she can be a fullback, she can be a winger, she can be a midfielder if need be. Is she a center back? I don't know, but I bet you she's played it at some point. 
Um, she has played goal. We've goal. seen that. Yes, we've seen that. I'm just waiting for her just to put on one of Bev's blazers and just stand on the side and just point directions because she's coaching on the pitch anyways. She's everywhere. And losing a player like no, that, yeah, yeah it, it sucks and it hurts. How big of a loss do you think that's going to be for Bev? And then furthermore, how do you think she tries to replace that player? Because, again, it's a tough ask. Oh, it stings. I think this is possibly one of the worst case scenarios that could have happened for the tournament. I can't think of any many more players that, you know, a loss would have hurt more of the same. Like, I can really only think of maybe Jesse, Kadisha, like Ashley, who are on that level. Mm-hmm. Kaylin Sharon as well. And so it's a huge loss. I've seen a few different articles, like how can we replace Becky? I don't, I honestly don't think we can. No one's that versatile. I think it's going to be, you know, replacement by committee. So we'll have to have a lot of great service from Jess. We'll have to have the work rate from Chloe, who you mentioned earlier. We'll have to have the deliveries from hopefully Ashley or Jade, um, because she is so versatile, like you said. And I think it's impossible to replace her. Real blow. No, that is true. And I think having Jade back does help. Um, having That puts a lot more on the plate of your fullbacks. Jade and Ashley both bombing up the sides, but then also good delivery, but then also defending. It does bring in a lot of... It's a lot of more pressure, but I'm not sure... I don't think it's too much of an issue for them. But I, I do wonder... Hmm. Like, what's the player? Like, adding to Becky, because the easy thing is, okay, she's a winger, you're losing the winger. And then you're thinking, overall, in the greater scheme of things, wait a minute, you're technically down already, Deanne, though she's probably closest to be back. You're down Nichelle as well. Um, So that's that. Now you're down Becky. And this is kind of opens up the slight criticism I do have of Bev in terms of her rosters, which is, we're all we've had Candace soccer put out the stat last year where in the last two years, she's called up 50 players. 38 have seen the pitch. Her record is like 17, 10 and five. That's great. The question though, is have we been able over these two years to be able to see enough players for a time like this? And again, it's not every day that your like three of your top four wingers are all injured. No, no one plans for that. No, but and one's not playing. That well, you know, united in some things. Apparently not on the pitch. What is it with Canadians at Manchester teams? That's all I'm going to say. I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> um, if they if they don't play Jade, I will burn. I, I will burn things out of anger. But um. Like, were yeah. we prepared enough for something like this? Were we able to see enough players out of those positions? Yeah, I see your criticism there. Like, 38 players who've seen the field in two years isn't actually that much. But that being said, I think we have seen players like LaCasse come through and get a chance. Like, Bev really did give her another chance. She used to be the U20 player back in like 2012. So it took a long time for her to make her way back to the program. Then you saw her take a chance on literacy. And now Amanda Allen, our 18-year-old phenom, just signed with Orlando Pride. So I think we ultimately we have increased our depth. It's just really unfortunate how 
in need we are now, like how reliant we are on that depth. Because like you say, three of those wingers are, you know, starters on almost any national team in the world. No, and that's true. And I think that's a difficult and and it's tough, right? It's hard for me. And this is where I go. I, I straddle the line a little bit, right? Because on the one hand, you think, I think I'm not going to blame the coach if she already knows she's working with limited reps. There's no doubt, right? And so for me, if I'm thinking that I'm not going to criticize the coach if she thinks, okay, out of the seven windows she has, she's maybe only going to have four, maybe five. So yeah, you want to maximize the time with your first team. There's no doubt. There's no doubt about it. The criticism is just sometimes, yeah, no one can foresee injuries. There's no doubt. But I remember thinking to myself, the fact that we have players who, like, Jesse Fleming already has 100 caps at 24 going to on. And that's amazing. And at the same breath, that to me is indicative of what some of the problems with the women's game right now, which is it's just constant. It There's no real breaks in it. Right. You're playing your break. You're going for your national team. You're back. You're playing for club break comes. You're playing for your national team and back. And then I think in looking at it that way, did we maybe lose a few opportunities in hindsight? Yes. I'll only complain more about it because I know, for example, the Australia, the Australia friendlies, that was one that I was banging the table and saying, why not just for Australia, just focus on North America, Beth. Bring North American players so you at least can have a look at them. And then when you go to Europe, maybe look at the sub, because you, you're playing Argentina and Morocco and Spain. So why not take a look at some of the, your European base players so that when you get to 23, at least maybe you've seen to end the year, maybe 40 players. And then from there, now you start to whittle down the list versus starting the year off saying, let's see some players on the fringes and then finding out at that point you don't have the funds or whatever the timeline goes from there. And that's only for me, but it's hard for me to criticize a coach when she knows she's going to have limited time. Maybe I just would have loved to see her be a bit more flexible, a little bit more creative and seeing some of them because you never know when you, you don't yeah, know. She how. Also, yeah. Go on, yeah. go on. She also has like real disadvantage of like, not having that professional league at home. I feel like that's one of the strengths of the American team. And that's why you see so many like options just come through year by year by year. Whereas like our, our depth is getting better. I think we have at least 130 professionals now, Yeah. but at that top, top level, not quite the depth that you would need for a freak scenario like this. Mm-hmm. No, and that that's a fair point. That's a that's a very fair point. The, the only thing I think about out loud, well, in my mind, and I guess I'll do it out loud here, is like the pool of players that we use, typically select from come from, again, is it because we're limited or is it just because what we know? They typically all come minus, I mean, if you look at the national teams that have been called up, the last few ones, if you look at She Believes Cup, two max three players didn't play any youth or NDC for Canada, right? Two. Everyone else mm-hmm. came from there. So, and I I know we need a domestic league. I want a domestic league yesterday. If, if they want to come somewhere in Niagara, I will be there mm-hmm. every day supporting. There's no doubt about that. 
But but sometimes I look at it and I think, well, we look at a league and we need it, but sometimes we don't. Sometimes I feel like we don't show the willingness to go outside of the pool that we know to look at players. So for me to say, mm-hmm. if you add another pool, though I'm excited, I also look at, well, you aren't showing me that you would be willing to do it anyways. So does a league actually work? Or not even does it work, but does the idea of a league actually promote the players there before it turns to the conversation of, should we be only bringing players from our own league versus players playing in other leagues? How do you find the value of that? So it's just very, there are more conversations, more interesting things that go into it. But I always wonder, it's another thing I think about when it comes to the domestic league, not to say we shouldn't have it. We, we needed it. We needed it in 2014. Let's be very clear. But our willingness to look at players, even if you look at the NWSL, I mean, what does Victoria Pickett have to do to, to make this team? <laughs> Especially like when you're thinking, okay, from a profile standpoint, she's a solid midfielder, good defensively. She's played all three levels. You don't have Desi right now. But no? Okay. I mean, Bev, you're the coach. I don't see training. That's fair. But I, w- I would think personally that a player like that would fit but but that's just me guy on the internet talking about the women's national team so i'm a big fan yeah i'm a big fan no you're right the the pathway is so narrow and once you fall off it and kids fall off it at like 15 16 very young they often do not get another look and they have to go through these crazy pathways in order to get another look so like Chloe Lucas being a perfect example. So it's, you know, I agree with you. It, it, yeah, you're right. Yeah. <sighs> it's yeah. And like, you, you want the best for them, but again, the pathways are so narrow and that's where it's interesting. I'm throwing this in now because injuries are at the top of the day. Um, uh, it, if you listen closely, uh, another player has succumbed to an ACL injury, which is terrible, but, this is the life in women's football right now. A lot of injuries. You need more research. There's no doubt about that. Um, you need to understand why these are happening. You know, work against it. But FIFA is a machine and almost a buzzsaw in terms of we're just going to power through and do, keep on playing more things. Is a U23... Yeah, I think it's actually a... Yeah. Go, go on, on, go on. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, the question I was going to ask is... is I was just going to say, I think it's... <laughs> go after you ac after you <laughs> oh man i was just gonna say i think it's a delayed symptom of covid in a way because when mm. the olympics got moved to 2021 and then we had Concacaf championship the year after and mm. then you know euros as well and then we have a world cup the year after that and then olympics the year after that i don't think this is gonna stop anytime soon i think we're gonna continue to see them Let's see those types of injuries because women are just not have not been used to playing that many competitive, yeah. high level, highly competitive games in a year. And you're seeing, like, again, UEFA is introducing the Nations League for the women, which in a concept, it's great. Yes, you want to be playing competitive matchups. CONCACAF is doing its own thing, but kind of sparing the giants of CONCACAF out of it. If you qualify for the Olympics, then you don't have to do it. Which, I mean, who are we going to play now? Um, at this point, we'll be taking trips to Asia and Africa to play teams because, or we'll play Australia all the time, or everyone's favorite, Brazil. 
we're gonna play Brazil every time because that's what happens. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> every every window Brazil won. <laughs> at least, at least, please. We'll just it will be the international series. It'll be like us playing the U.S. in hockey, women's hockey. Just yeah, we'll play each other. What Brampton, Des Moines, sure. Minnesota, sure. BC, let's go back and forth. I, I do wonder because FIFA is just an animal and like different federations aren't slowing down because they're starting to see the value of women's soccer, which is great. But then you mentioned it, pushing it back, you've condensed a lot of schedules. I mean, the men can complained about condensing it because they had a World Cup in the winter. And the women are like, we've been condensed since 2021. So like breaks, I, I would like one. And then that comes to conversation with Bev, but in terms of players that she's calling up. But in the over, overall s- scheme of things, does adding the U, a U23 aspect, maybe for the Olympics, does that maybe turn into a temporary solution until we find a better solution moving forward? just so that you can take a little bit of pressure off of some of the players who might be going to these tournaments here and giving them a little bit more of a break, a forced break, so to speak. Yeah, no, I think we've talked about it before. I definitely could see it happening. The only real downside being that I think it's still such a prestigious tournament that it's going to take a while to become unprestigious. You know what I mean? Which a U23 change would make it. Like the Americans would love to win the Olympics again. They haven't won it in a while. And and it would be, but like I'm trying to think from it from the standpoint of how do you save and and it sucks because like if you look at the men's side for example, yeah, it's a U23 with three vets. It's 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 a tournament, but at the very least, at least you give a window of players an opportunity to play in it. I I've always looked at it bringing a U23 for the women as how do I save international football from itself. Um, because it's going to be condensed all the way until, like, we're going to reach a point, like, there's only so many ACLs, and I'm saying this very flippantly, but it's true. There's only so many ACLs (laughs) that can go down. (laughs) I know, there's only so many injuries you can take before you do something. So, I don't want to reach the critical mass of ACL injuries and meniscus tears and just tendonitis and knees and ankles. I just want to say, hey, we're doing this now. We're doing it because we're trying to save the knees and the tendons. Could we do this until we get some research done on how do we reduce the number of these injuries? And then eventually, if we want to go back to it with the new research, we can do that. But at least give us time because I don't want to have to reach the point until... Because it's going to happen. Like, Canada has had a couple. We've had three so far. If you're really honest about it, yeah, we've had three. But I mean, let's be real. Wait, who are the three? I have Becky, D'Angelo. Who's the third one? Um, Nichelle. Wasn't Nichelle an no, uh, ACL? Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. That is true. It's again, I wasn't. I come from a medical family. I don't do physiology, so I apologize for assuming anything <laughs> with an A and a C are the same thing. Um, so apologies Close. there, but. So close yet so far. But as a Canadian fan, I mean, we're a Julia Grosso and Jesse Fleming ACL injury before we start yelling about things. Okay? I don't want it to come to that. I have knocked all the wood. As you can hear, I am knocking wood. But, like, we're that close to something like that happening, and then we're joining the conversation. So, 
like how do you save FIFA from itself, even though it's a machine and just going to say, you know what? We think more top teams should play each other. Let's have a confederations tournament, but for all the teams. And we'll throw it in when you would have been on your break so that you have to play more games. And rest for who? No one needs rest, apparently. <sighs> that is something. I feel like, honestly, that might be the only way that we get a U23 team. <laughs> because they're really not going to do it any other way. Oh, I agree. Canada's not focused on a U23, there's no doubt. But if I think, I don't want it to come to this, but I think it's going to be injuries are going to push are going to push us to the point where we have to do it unless someone just says, this is what we're doing wrong. This is how we fix it. And, and in my, in my perfect world, it's, you know, we're doing this for two Olympics. We're doing the research. When we have the answers, we either go back to the senior teams can play because we understand what's happening or, you know, we say, you know what? We've heard from the veterans. I mean, Sinclair will still be playing at this point. Uh, we'll wheel her out in a wheelchair just to stand in the box and head in balls for <laughs> set pieces. But at that point, she'll be there and we'll just be like, yeah, Sinclair, Sinclair only plays 16 minutes a game. She's good. She's good. We'll, we'll, we'll leave her there. But I feel like that we have to at some point save ourselves from not even growing too fast, but growing and not realizing some of the consequences of the wear and tear of the sport that it's had. So it's, it's, it's a random thought that came in my mind. I'm like, yes, maybe. And I understand the, I understand, like you said at the beginning, I understand the points for and against the U23. It, you need the prestige or you don't need it. The panel is, I've heard both arguments. I'm just thinking for all, all the ligaments and all the tendons out there who, like to stay attached personally um, again <laughs> communications major so he loves to talk um so all those fun things said you have the world cup coming before we reach the world cup interesting enough fun things is we have the france friendly coming up in a few days i like the matchup with france for, for whatever reason whenever i see canada versus france on the women's side i think to myself I like this matchup. Now it's gotten more interesting because we have professional Bond villain um, Henry Reynard, um, who's back coaching in France. Um, so good for him. Um, Diacre is gone. Um, we we all celebrate that. But it's the matchup is always interesting because France to me feels like. Rightly or wrongly, and if anyone from France wants to come after me, that's fine. On the development level, they feel similar. Canada and France feel similar. And mm -hmm. then when you reach the professional level, it's the difference is one has a league, the other has players who play in the league. Um, but you have, you have those discrepancies that are there. When you're looking at the matchups coming in, uh, we can almost do this in a two-part standpoint. What are you looking from a test standpoint for Canada and then who are a couple players that you're looking maybe who can have a good showing in their last audition to make this World Cup roster yeah I think honestly they match up well like because they're both kind of going through shit it kind of equal, it like equalizes so it yeah. feels like because they're actually able to just focus on the soccer right so it'll be interesting for France new coach a bunch of the old players back in who, you know, were um, isolated after the last coach. But uh -huh. 
it'll be a good a good matchup. I think it'll be close. In terms of players that I'm watching, I really want to know how Bev is going to line up the midfield. I hope Aladu gets some minutes. I'm a big fan, um, especially because uh, Desi Scott is out and Quinn is out. I wonder who's going to take on the responsibility, the defensive responsibility in midfield. Uh-huh. And then I think there's going to be a fullback battle royale. Like, I don't know if she's going to split it all 30 minutes or what she's going to do, but she's going to need to see almost all the fullbacks so that she can make some kind of decision because she brought in six, possibly seven, if you're counting Jade Rose. So she's clearly not decided yet in that position. So that's what I'm watching for. And then the last position I'm I'm looking for is the winger position, Larissi or Allen. Uh-huh. I think that's really the last decision to be made. And then what does Leon look like in this window, having not played since January 15th mm-hmm. for clubs? I ex- yeah, that's fair. I expect Leon just to just put heat on every ball she comes in contact with. I think there's a lot of a lot of Manchester United frustration um, every shot that she'll take. Um, so I expect that. I A lot of the points are similar. I think I had, when Amanda Allen was on the uh, pre-She Believes Cup roster, it's it's one thing that she made the uh, Brazil roster, um, and played of the U seventeen. She got onto the pitch. That was like my first. I think she's gonna. I thought she was gonna make it as a maybe a, a training player. She'll go to the World Cup, but only train. With the injuries, and now you're dealing with. I mean, you're hoping Deanne Rose is back. I think of all counts, Deanne has the best chance to be ready before that. Nichelle will be tight, as Beva said, and just like uh, Desi will be tight. It's going to come down to Allen or, or Clarissa, and I wish Clarissa would have got more playing time. That I mean, I think every game at the She Believes Cup, I said, I would love to have her play a half, and she got 30 minutes in, in a couple games here, but I think if it's between Allen and Amanda and Clarissa, I think I'm siding with you. I think Amanda Allen makes it. I think she makes this yeah. team. And it's not a surprise to me. She's, I think she's definitely made strides to go through. It, it's also funny because I think if I looked at that U17 team after the CONCACAF tournament, in my mind I said, Rosa Maloof's going pro and Amanda Allen will get looks. And almost mm-hmm. a year later, where Allen has gone pro and Maloof is going to reintroduce herself at the CONCACAF 20s, which we'll talk about a little bit later. So I think that, I think Allen makes it over Clarissa, which, I mean, is unfortunate for her. You don't, if Clarissa makes it, it probably means that a player like Prince isn't ready, which I hope she is. But I think if Clarissa makes it, that'll come to that. The midfield point, I agree with you as well. Um, We've both been banging the Alidu, uh, the Alidu drum and train for mm. since the Spain game. I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand why she was hasn't been able to come back, but she's back and maybe she has an opportunity to come and play the fullbacks. I think, and this is where I think if we're gonna find some versatility on this team, I think Jade is gonna be as much of a versatile player for the back line, and I think Jade is your I think Jade has played well enough Jade Rose that is that Bev is thinking how do I put her on the pitch 
Mm-hmm. And I think what ends up happening is Jade is the CDM at the World Cup. And a lot of people th- want that. Mm. And it makes sense. Um, I think she is the perfect uh, destroyer type and she can advance and progress. So I think, I mean, we've, we saw it in Australia. We saw it at the U20s. I think she becomes not the Becky replacement, but the the Becky-like player who can play and fill multiple positions. We saw her out wide in a back three, but then also as a fullback after she leaves Cup. And I think if she can show something, I think she ends up starting against France in a back three, but then she starts to creep up a little bit. I think she's your CDM in this roster. I think that's Bev's plan for that. And then the fullback battle royale, um, my money's on St. George's and Carl because... um, (laughs) reasons we'll say reasons but no i I think those two definitely have are are battling out but then it comes down to versatility right saint george's is is a solid if not good fullback carl can play a little bit of center back and i think bev might value that in terms of versatility again we're dealing with less players so i think that may be what we're looking at i think ultimately alan and carl make it and I think Jade Rose is the CDM of this team. And that will be to the joy of some people and surprise to others. But I think that's what ends up happening with this roster. Any other players that you're seeing here or any other questions you think we're missing with this roster getting ready for uh, their game against France and then going to the World Cup? Yeah, I think it's really up in the air who your number nine is going to be. Uh, we saw a different, couple different looks. Obviously, Dian, Heidema, Leon played there, but I didn't love that. So I, I wonder who will start that first game and if anyone's able to really grab the position because they, they've been back and forth, Dian and Heidema, for the last, well, since the Olympics, really. So um, because we're not yeah. seeing Sinclair in that nine position, I think that's another interesting one. Can anyone grab, you know, grab the advantage? Yeah. I ultimately think, I mean, it's interesting that Sinclair was backlisted as a forward, um, but then that to me just feels as if, are they just going to play all the forwards all the time? Which I'm not opposed to. Who needs defense? Just win every game 6-5. But I think it could be, I think as long as Heidema is looking solid, I think she gets the edge. Um, I I think whether that is the right decision, that's up for debate. But I think as long as Heidema looks solid at the NWSL level, I think she probably gets the first, she gets the first crack at the World Cup at the nine. And then if she struggles, the end comes in because she can then, even still, I still think it'll be a rotation. It'll probably be Heidema for 60 and then the end coming in for nine, depending on how the game is going. And you're not playing Australia to your final game. So you do have some time to kind of work your way through that. But I think that's the interesting, I think, I think the nine is hiding us to lose, whether people agree with that or not. I think that's how Bev is looking at it. Because even with, because even with like her finding her footing after her transfer, Bev was still giving her starts. And then Vien was only getting starts against what will qualify as not tier one teams. Like, she got starts against Morocco. She got some run against um, Argentina. I forgot the game. I was about to say the team. The team with all the fouls. Who was that team? Yes, Argentina. 
Um, mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting. <laughs> I, I think it'll be interesting to see, but I think it's Haidema's job to lose right now. Um, under the radar, um, from that is also the U20s. U20s start mm-hmm. next week, too. Um, Ama- Amanda Allen's gonna be flying red eye from France. What a life, eh? A castle <laughs> for half a week and then. Dominican Republic for the other half of the week. That's my dream vacation for life. And she's doing it at 18. So live your life, queen. Live your life. Um, yeah, how do you Florida feel in there. Roster? Oh, I'm more sun than I've seen this winter. More sun. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the roster is steady tie. I think uh, I, I wasn't really sure what the roster was for at first. But then I was like, oh, yeah, they have to qualify for CONCACAF this year. So, mm-hmm. I mean, El Salvador, Cuba, St. Vincent, Martinique, like, I understand looking at the opposition, why they maybe went with some of the choices that they did, because mm-hmm. where's the midfield? It seems to be all offensive vibes, no defense, no midfield, I guess. <laughs> but, I th- like, the first thought really was, where is the midfield? Where are Izzy Monk and Anna Howard? That was my biggest thing, because mm-hmm. it's basically just, a lot of the U-17s moving up, and yes. Izzy Monk was one of the captains. So I, I was very curious as to where she was. And then I guess one of my other thoughts around it is, is this the only camp? I know it's the first camp, but is this the only camp, the only youth camp? Because that's the whole thing that the women's national team was yes. you know, complaining about, that there's only one youth camp. So I guess this must be it. And so it's kind of alarming that uh, this is the first time this group of have played together. It is, and then you, you factor in the the uh, the young U twenties from the last cycle. So like the Olivia Smiths, the Florian Jords, um, you have them playing, and it it does make it interesting. There, I, I do agree with the questions, especially looking at uh, the midfielders. Um, I, I guess Geneva Hernandez Gray is just going to play every game in the midfield, or they're just playing a four one. Everyone else go score goals. Um, which, hey, if that's what you want to do, you can do that. And just uh, run it by everyone who isn't aware, yes, CONCACAF has new formatting um, for their youth tournaments. It's going to be for all the youth tournaments. It's basically going to be the... It's similar to how CONCACAF uh, Women's Championships went for qualifiers. So the top two teams have qualified for the championships already, and those are the finalists, so U.S. and Mexico already in the Final Four. Six groups of five or six winners of those group uh, play round robin. They all play each other in the groups once. Winners go on to the championship, and then two groups of four, top two go. Semifinalists and finalists, top three teams, go on to the World Cup. I'm not sure if it's going to be three or four. I want, I don't know, because the field is going from 16 to 24 for the women's U20 next year. So I don't know if that gives CONCACAF another spot or not. I haven't seen anything that does. But for what we know so far, it's just the top three teams going. But yeah, it incentivizes finishing in or being a finalist for these. And a lot of the rhetoric for it was just to give teams more games, which, yes, you can give them more games. But then you have a team like Canada who says midfield for who? we're just gonna go and score and even like if you look at the senior women's side when they did this there's still some discrepancies i always jokingly bring up haiti 
who put 20 goals up on, I don't even know who it was, but they put 20 goals on a team, a senior team, because they could. So I understand the logic of wanting to have more teams, uh, or more games for teams, but you also have to look at the level and the competition and what you're doing there. So hopefully that gives more players more chances to be seen. Um, and I think in Canada's group, they should come in and win the group. They are the team that probably should have been in second for the U20, but weren't able to get by Mexico, who, again, has their own league, has a great development system there. And when they can finally connect all the dots on the senior level, will be a force in CONCACAF um, at tournaments. So that is interesting looking at them there. I'm looking forward to it. That starts on April the 14th. So again, Amanda Allen gets to live my vacation dreams of a lifetime in a week. So good for you, girl. Live your life. Um, one one day I'll go. I was supposed to go to Australia. And I'm not able to go this year. So that's a whole other conversation. But I know. I know. But that's a whole other conversation. So the World Cup comes um, late night footy for all. Get all your hours in. Are you excited for a 32-team Women's World Cup in Australia this summer? And why aren't you going? Yeah, I think we're... Why aren't you going? (laughs) Money. (laughs) That's the main reason (laughs) I took time off from work. But, uh, no, I'm excited. I think we're at the level now where we can introduce 32 teams. Like, I think there's enough quality across the globe that, you know, it's, it's a reasonable move. Let's not go to 48. It was excessive, but no. I'm very excited. I think it's going to be a high level. Yes, agreed. And it's and it'll be good because you get a lot of teams that are on the fringes. I think my two favorite teams uh, that I'll be watching who aren't Canada and Canada because I'm watching Canada and Canada. Um, Zambia and uh, Haiti are going to be my two fun teams to watch. Um I know people will remember Zambia from the Olympics getting 10 from the Netherlands. Um, and yeah, that's true. It happened. They also scored three. So minus seven is still fine. But they are a fun, they are a fun growing team in Africa. Just uh, if you watched the AFCOT, the CAF Women Championships, finished fourth without their best player. And they should have that player playing at the Olympics. I mean, not the Olympics, the World Cup. So I'm excited to see them. And then Haiti is just a team that is have a lot of exciting young pieces. Watching a few things afterwards, but uh, I am those are my <laughs> yeah. I'm on the line now. That I'm going to be watching. You're in trouble, man. <laughs> and with that, we're ending the conversation right there. No, um, no. Um, I think yeah, those two are very fun teams. That I'm really excited to watch. Um, outside of the teams, is there is there a team that you're going to be watching? I know there's some easy choices. Does England win it all and then become what the men feared that the men would be if they won something? But just be the women, just be the, the obnoxious, loud English women about winning trophies. Um, is it them? Is it a team like Spain? Do they resolve their issues with the Federation? Do the quote-unquote disruptive 13 to 15 rejoin the team Um, does a team like australia do they have a deep run on home soil like there's a lot of fascinating stories which one 
either I've mentioned or one that you're watching, are you kind of curious to keep an eye on? Yeah, there was a lot of talk on Twitter today, people getting nervous about the possibility of England winning. But I think the U.S. winning their third one in a row is going to be worse. So if those not happening is my goal. But I guess I'm watching closely Germany. I am German, so I think they did very well at the Euro. They have most of the pieces in place still, not too many injuries, not too much turnover. So I think Germany is a team to, to watch get for. Spain will be interesting. They seem to actually be doing okay without the 13 to 15, which is kind of unfortunate in a way. Um, but the last one, you said already, I think Australia, they're going to have a big boost uh, with the home crowd. And they have a, you know, not an easy path, but they could make it relatively deep. I'm very much curious to watch this. Um, I don't know how I'm going to do, because like for the Men's World Cup, I was doing like recaps at the end of the night of just things in the podcast. Well, I don't know how I do that when the recaps will basically be at like 4 a.m. So I I don't know if I'm going to survive. I might have to introduce coffee into my life. I've actually, I've never drank coffee before. This might be the year I do it. So I'll, I'll see what happens with that. But it's going to be the year. It, oh, it'll be the coffee, Red Bull, everything. I will just be, okay, so um, Sam Kerr is Sam Kerr. Are, you know, I'll just do that. I'll just have, like, five-word recaps as shorts. Okay, Women's World Cup Day 2. Sam Kerr is a legend. That is all. Uh, you can go to sleep now. Period. <laughs> Period. No, that is great. And then, I know we, we we aren't looking too far ahead, but we do have uh, Olympic qualifiers that are coming um, after the World Cup. Interesting question. Do you think Bev will start to transition a little bit? Not fully, but just a little bit um, with those two Jamaica matchups. Are they going to give Schmidt uh, another run on home soil? Like, imagine she retired mm-hmm. with no uh, game on home soil in the whole year. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of stuck. I'm not sure uh, what they'll go with because they know that if they go with what they have now, they're still good enough to beat Jamaica, and maybe it's a good sending off yeah. for some of those players who do look like they're closer to retirement. But it's hard to say because there is a lot of value in starting that next, next cycle and introducing players to those high-pressure high situations. That's fair. And to now force you to be emotional about this next point, kind of building off that answer, is this the last World Cup for Desi, Sinclair, and Schmidt? Yeah, I think so. I, like, I don't see how they do another cycle. Schmidt, Schmidt already said no. Scott, yeah. I mean, her contract runs till the end of this year. Sinclair's contract, like NWSL contract, runs to the end of yeah. this year. So I could very well see them, all three of them, even add Chapman to that mix. I think, you know... It's their last year in international soccer, I think. Especially if they can end it on a high note. I, I am not opposed to that. So, guys, uh, if you could just bring home a trophy, um, preferably the big one, uh, just just for those four, uh, I would really appreciate that. Because I haven't cried enough with Canada women's winning things. Apparently, I need to cry one more time. So... A summer cry would be nice. Another summer cry would, would be very, very nice. Oh, 
okay, see, now I'm thinking about that. That's that's not – no, I can't do this now. We're not going to cry now. Um, it's also half allergy, so it's like, Ugh. Keep it together. Yes. Ah, <laughs> great times. I remember watching Sinclair back in 2002, and let me tell you, 20 years later, we've seen all the hair. I, I think – you know what? That's my thing. When she When Sinclair decides to hang it up, I need every women's national team player to come up with a different hairdo that she had over her career. I need this. I I need the curly fro. I need the bangs. I need the highlights. I need every, I want all of them. <laughs> Please. Perfectly reasonable ask. I think it's so reasonable. reasonable. They'd laugh about it. They'd have a couple tears and it'd be great. <laughs> yes. Okay. This, this is my new goal. I'm going to start messaging national team players. When Sink <laughs> retires, could you do your hair like this? <laughs> Who is this random person asking me these things? I don't know, but it's, it might it might work. Uh, before we wrap up, AC, do you have anything you're working on? Any um, d- any videos? Um, any documents? I know you got the newsletter at the end of the month. What do you have coming up that people can look forward to? Yeah, nothing too crazy. My actual work life is pretty prominent right now, but yeah, just keeping the newsletter going. Keep an eye on the feeds for sure, and. Hope to keep everyone up to date with my hot takes. Ah, uh, the hot takes. Yes, yes. All right. And for everyone looking for me, I'll just be doing what I normally do. Just I do appreciate... Apparently people... Someone on Twitter told me that they appreciate my random tweets. And it's it's my no context tweets. And to be honest, I'm just... I'm too lazy to tag things in it. So I'll read something and I'll just be like, yeah. And then I'll just say what my immediate thought was. Which I, I like because then people are like, "What are you talking about?" It's like it's just—it's there, it's in the feed, it's in the feed. You can't get credit for doing things just because you did it one time. You don't get to pat yourself on the back there. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but AC, it's been great. Always a pleasure. Um, maybe we'll connect before the World Cup at a reasonable hour, or if we're up at two a.m., I'll just message you and be like, "Yo." go live because like i'm awake (laughs) so you're awake so let's just do that (laughs) Uh, we will do that all right guys gotta start training for for those early mornings i i have been yo those two australia games i literally was like okay this is for the summer let's do this and it was just (laughs) a lot of just drinking water and staring i've realized that night like i don't i just need the screen so, like, I'll keep all the lights off and it'll just be my eyes and the screen. I'm sure it's terrible for them. I'm sure my optometrist is, like, listening to this and be like, what are you doing to your eyes? No, just adequate lights, please. But, yes, those Australia <laughs> games were training. But we'll see how it goes. All the best, Canada, uh, Baby Rouge next week as well. All the best against France, Bev. And, guys, we'll be uh, putting out clips, notices uh, for myself. I had the who can potentially make the women's team YouTube series by position breakdown. So that's there if you guys want to watch that. And then, you know, African Canadian content because who wouldn't be the Africans if we didn't do both. So that's there. And I will just sign it off here. So guys, thank you for the time. Um, wherever you're watching this, thank you for taking it in. Leave your comments if you can there or leave a review if you'd like. But until next time, guys, bye bye for now. Did he keep that head up?